Good morning. Today is Monday, the 6th of May, 2019. This is the daily office morning prayer, a compilation of right two from the Episcopal Book of Common Prayer and supplemental liturgical materials from Enriching Our Worship, Volume 1. I am your host, Jacob. The usual disclaimer is that I am a regular person, <laughs> not any sort of subject matter expert on religion or theology. I have no extra credentials or any more experience than most. And that's the beautiful thing about the daily office is that it's an, it's a beautiful ordinary prayer, I guess is the way I'll put it today. Thanks for bearing with me. I'm trying out yet another uh, recording app and we'll see how this one goes. I just haven't found one that is reliable, doesn't dump my stuff, allows me to re rewind and record over when I make a major mistake. I leave the little goofs in there. I figure y'all just makes it that much more like we're sitting here together. Um, so thank you for that. And also, I know that I have not been on with regularity lately, and so I'm really working on that to be here every morning. Thank you. I really, I can't tell you how powerful it is for me to say the liturgy and to know that there are others out there. I really feel that when we do this, it we join our voices with a chorus that is absolutely and completely timeless in the most holy meaning of that word. Thank you very much. Our readings today are Psalm 25. Daniel 4, 19 through 27, 1 John 3, 19 through 4, 6, and Luke 4, 14 through 30. We begin on page 18 of the Enriching Our Worship one. If anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Let us confess our sins to God. God of all mercy, we confess that we have sinned against you, opposing your will in our lives. We have denied our, your goodness in each other, in ourselves, and in the world you have created. We repent of the evil that enslaves us, the evil we have done, and the evil done on our behalf. Forgive, restore, and strengthen us through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that we may abide in your love and serve only your will. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through the grace of Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. O oh God, let our mouth proclaim your praise and your glory all the day long. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia, Christ is risen. 
O come, let us worship. Alleluia. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving and raise to the Lord a shout with psalms. For you are a great God. You are great above all gods. In your hand are the caverns of the earth, and the heights of the hills are yours also. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For you are our God, and we are the people of your pasture, and the sheep of your hand. Oh, that today we would hearken to your voice. Alleluia, Christ is risen. Oh, come, let us worship. Alleluia. Psalm 25 To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Do not let me be put to shame. Do not let my enemies exalt over me. Do not let those who wait for you be put to shame. Let them be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all day long. Be mindful of your mercy, O Lord, and of your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For your goodness' sake, O Lord, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his decrees. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. Who are they that fear the Lord? He will teach them the way that they should choose. They will abide in prosperity, and their children shall possess the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes his covenant known to them. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. Relieve the troubles of my heart and bring me out of my distress. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with, and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my life and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all its troubles. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity. One God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of Daniel, chapter 4, verses 19 through 27. Then Daniel, who was called Belteshazzar, was severely distressed for a while. His thoughts terrified him. The, the king said, Belteshazzar, pardon me, do not let the dream or the interpretation terrify you. Belteshazzar answered, My lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. 
the tree that you saw, which grew great and strong, so that its top reached to heaven and was visible to the end of the whole earth, whose foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and which provided food for all, under which animals of the field lived, and in whose branches the birds of the air had nests. It is you, O king. You have grown great and strong. Your greatness has increased and reaches to heaven, and your sovereignty to the ends of the earth. And whereas the king saw a holy watcher coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the ground, with the band of iron and bronze, and the grass of the field, and let him be bathed with the dew of heaven, and let his lot be with the animals of the field, until seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and it is a decree of the Most High that has come upon my lord the king. You shall be driven away from human society, and your dwelling shall be with the wild animals. You shall be made to eat grass like oxen. You shall be bathed with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, until you have learned that the Most High has sovereignty over the kingdom of mortals, and gives it to whom he will. As it was commanded to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be reestablished for you from the time that you learn that heaven is sovereign. Therefore, O king, may my counsel be acceptable to you. Atone for your sins with righteousness, and your iniquities with mercy to the oppressed, so that your prosperity may be prolonged. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle C, The Song of Hannah, found on page 31 of Enriching Our Worship 1. My heart exalts in you, O God. My triumph song is lifted in you. My mouth derides my enemies, for I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like you, nor any rock to be compared to you, our God. Do not heap up prideful words or speak in arrogance. Only God is knowing and weighs all actions. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the weak are clothed in strength. Those once full now labor for bread. Those who hungered now are well fed. The childless woman has borne sevenfold, while the mother of many is forlorn. God destroys and brings to life, casts down and raises up, gives wealth or takes it away, humbles and dignifies. God raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap, to make them sit with the rulers and inherit a place of honor. For the pillars of the earth are gods, on which the whole earth is founded. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, as it was in the beginning, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from 1 John, chapter 3, verse 19, through chapter 4, verse 6. And by this we will know that we are from the truth, and will reassure our hearts before him, whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God, and we receive from him whatever we ask 
because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the, who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God. Canticle Q found on page 39 of Enriching Our Worship. A Song of Christ's Goodness Jesus, as a mother, you gather your people to you. You are gentle with us as a mother with her children. Often you weep over our sins and our pride. Tenderly you draw us from hatred and judgment. You comfort us in sorrow and bind up our wounds. In sickness you nurse us and with pure milk you feed us. Jesus, by your dying, we are born to new life. By your anguish and labor, we come forth in joy. Despair turns to hope through your sweet goodness. Through your gentleness, we find comfort and fear. Your warmth gives life to the dead. Your touch makes sinners righteous. Lord Jesus, in your mercy, heal us. In your love and tenderness, remake us. In your compassion, bring grace and forgiveness. For the beauty of heaven, may your love prepare us. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it, where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. 
Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself, and you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine all over the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us together affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed found on page 96 of the Book of Common Prayer. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. We will use the suffrages on page 42 of Enriching Our Worship. Help us, O God our Savior, deliver us and forgive us our sins. Look upon your congregation, give to your people the blessing of peace. Declare your glory among the nations and your wonders among all peoples. Do not let the oppressed be shamed and turned away. Never forget the lives of your poor. Continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your favor to those who are true of heart. Satisfy us by your loving kindness in the morning. So shall we rejoice and be glad all the days of our life. Praise to the holy and undivided Trinity, one God, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen.
O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith, that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. O God, the author of peace and lover of concord, to know you as eternal life and to serve you as perfect freedom, defend us, your humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in your defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries. Through the might of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. For the honor of your name. Amen. Now is the time when I usually share a few thoughts on the readings and some more specific prayers on things within our greater community that have been lifted to my heart. So today, um, I'm not sure exactly where I want to start. I guess then I'll start as I often do um, in the order of our readings. So our psalm today, Psalm 25. What stood out to me in the psalm was verse 7. Do not remember the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me. For your, for your goodness sake, O Lord. This put me in mind of that saying, forgive and forget. And the way I relate this here is that the psalmist is asking God to lay aside the memory of his sin, to not hold on to it, and to not focus on it. And I know that there are times in our lives when forgetting seems impossible. But as we've talked about before, what we focus on becomes what we move towards. So if we mindfully and intentionally lay aside the hurt, the wound, the wrong, the wrong done us, or even I would venture to say the wrong done by us, because isn't sometimes forgiving and forgetting with relation to our own selves the hardest thing? Then, over time, with God's help, we can redirect our spiritual, physical, mental energy toward the good thing, 
the righteous thing, the thing we want to move toward. And I'm reminded as well, um, and the connection might seem a little loose, so just bear with me, of something a friend of mine used to say to me, don't take the advice of anyone that you don't want to be like. And it's again, what's our focal point? What's the fixed point on the horizon that we're moving towards? This is why we write mission and vision statements, to focus ourselves towards something. Because <laughs> as, um, as was brought up in another book I'm reading, I think it was the Walter Wink book that I, I read this in. Um, and it was actually, it was, a, it was a spiritual reference to Alice in Wonderland. If you don't know where you're going, you will most certainly get there. This is the reason for all of this, that in my mind at least, that we, we focus on, we choose to remember the beautiful, the positive, the holy, the good, and then, quite naturally, we move toward the good, the holy, the positive, the spiritually replenishing and rewarding, the healing. In our culture now, there is a tendency, and I was listening to this on a podcast, it might have been Pantsuit Politics, um, to present our online selves as the very best possible version of ourselves. And some folks feel that that might be misleading, but I think that, again, within context and used properly, as with anything, there can be a beauty in putting the positive forward. There is also beauty and healing in authentic and vulnerable revelation of our struggle. But I don't think that any of us is under an onus to hold on to the negative, to display the negative, to put it foremost in our minds, because that's already kind of done for us. You know, scientists and researchers and medical professionals have shown us that the brain tends to hold the negative, and that's probably, um, and this is me saying it, not all those researchers, that's probably um, a survival technique, right? So that we learn from our mistakes. That's our brain's way of learning from our mistakes. It holds on to the mistakes so that we remember. It holds on to the fact that the stove is hot so we don't touch the stove, right? To make a simplistic equivalent. But I think here we're called for something more nuanced and in a higher level spiritual mind connection where we focus on the healing and in our very focus on the healing the wound becomes healed over time I think that's the biggest thing that stood out to me. Um, well, okay, maybe not. Maybe I want to talk about a couple more things. Okay, 
Verse 14, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. I know we've talked about before about the translation and the meaning of the word fear and how that's gotten a little bit warped. Um, in this way, I think there's a beautiful sentiment here. If we can, it's not an exact translation, but if we can just kind of think about fear and reverence together here and think that the fear, friendship of the Lord is for those who revere him, isn't that kind of amazing that God is so very near to us that we, are, we reverence him with awe that he is our friend? God is so close to us that God is a friend. When we are together saying the daily office, God is right here with us. God is here in the middle of my messy dining room in the table that I had to clear space on to lay out all of my books with me at this table. He is, God is awesome and almighty and powerful, and yet it, God chose to draw so near to us to be our dear friend right here in this moment, in every moment with us. Verse 6 to me. Or verse 6, turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. We're coming up on Mother's Day. And over the season of Lent, um, I think it was the Saturday before Palm Sunday, there was a service at my church that I actually didn't get to attend because um, I had some crazy work stuff that came up. A service of remembrance and lament, specifically for parents who have lost a child of any age, from in utero to adult children. There are several within my inner circle that have lost children, and there is no greater pain. I think of and pray for those who experience loneliness in this season and the loneliness of someone the loneliness we experience when someone was in our lives and close to us and then gone is is extremely painful because we have known it, right? And and there, that grief is unimaginable. And so, as the psalmist that did, I cry out to God for her friendship in the time of loneliness. For all who feel it, and I think that loneliness is rampant. To feel unsupported, to feel that we are striving for something alone, or that we are suffering alone. Let us focus our eyes on the friendship of the Lord, that the wound of our loneliness may be healed. Amen. 
One last thing here. I know I've spent a long time on this psalm. Thank you for bearing with me. If you did, and you're fine to fast forward if you don't have time for that. Verse 20. O guard my life and deliver me. Do not let me be put to shame, for I take refuge in you. Let me just pause for a minute and thank God for her deliverance of me. There were many times in my life that God delivered me in many different ways. I am thinking of one particular time in which um, I was in an abusive work relationship and suffered under that relationship for about a year. And God provided for me a way out. I had to work for that way out. (laughs) It came in the form of a job opportunity elsewhere. And I had to apply and wait and interview and pray into that job. And my main competition withdrew their application the day before my interview. Thank you, God, for delivering us. Thank you for providing deliverance in many forms. Give us eyes to see openings. Amen. All right, let's talk about our reading from Daniel. I think it's interesting that Daniel was distressed for the king. My commentary says that his distress shows sympathy for the king. That he's genuine when he says, My Lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. And I had always thought about Daniel as being kind of like reluctantly allegiant to the king and that he was terrified because he didn't want to give the king bad news. So I think the commentator's interpretation is very interesting. Um, And I just want to hold those two things in tension, that which I had supposed and a new way of thinking about it. I think the next couple things of interest here are in verses 26 and 27. As it was commanded to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be reestablished for you. From the time that you learn that heaven is sovereign. Therefore, O king, may my counsel be acceptable to you. Atone for your sins with righteousness, and your iniquities with mercy to the oppressed, so that your prosperity may be prolonged. This is, I think, just take his interpretation, right? Regular person. Um, like a, a warning dream. You remember Joseph's dream where the angel came and told him to get up and go and it was a warning and he followed? Um, I think here the, this dream can be a warning um, for the king and that, as it says in 26, his kingdom shall be reestablished from the time that you learn that heaven is, heaven is sovereign. So from the time he turns from what he has been focused on to heaven, to God, to a correct, correct is such a yucky word, um, a 
a reordering of his priorities. And so the tie here, I think, to, to myself, to all of our lives, um, even when we're talking about the deliverance, you know, from the Psalms, that when we receive and heed a true spiritual warning, and we'll get to spiritual discernment again <laughs> in a little bit, um, and remember that repentance is to turn, right? then God is faithful to redeem, right? It's our own turning away. It's not, I really honestly believe that God does not reach forward and punish us. That when there's a stirring in our spirit, a conviction, it is God trying to help us get back on track. And God is faithful. Um, abounding in love, right? Abounding in steadfast love. So to call upon another theme, may we have eyes to see and heed the warning of God to turn away from that which gets us off track and further from God and turn toward that which brings us closer to God. I'd like for it to pause for a moment and talk about pronouns too. I think I've talked before about Glennon Doyle and how inspirational I find her thoughts and she posted something on Instagram not too long ago about referring to God as he or as she versus he and we have used male pronouns as the default for so long I love the way I was reading this oh, I forget which country it was I created another pronoun <laughs> that was non-gender biased because I do, as kind of a word person, have issue with they because it's a plural, right? Um, but maybe that's a good thing because God is plural. So I'm going to try out using they and related pronouns and descriptors for God. And we'll see how this goes. All right, so kind of skip past it if it's not your thing. Bear with me um, as I try to navigate a more inclusive language. I think that's the best way to say it. All right, so our New Testament reading, since we're still kind of going in order here. If we go back a little bit further to the verse before our reading today, it is, Little children, let us love, not in word or speech, but in truth and action. And then our reading today starts in the next verse. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. So according to my commentary, which is, the commentary is a good place to start, right? And then I really wish that I could every day dig deeper into the verses that speak to me. But these are already pretty long podcasts. And um, although research time is amazing and to me is part of the way in which I worship, I, I just don't have it 
Um, so from what I can gather, having not been able to do more than first layer excavation here, there was a schism in the church and there was a splinter group that broke off from the Johannine tradition and were um, professing that Christ did not physically come back from the dead, that he did not on the third day rise again. And here, my commentator says, love is the basis for God's judgment despite the doubts caused by the schism. So I read that as the writer is attempting to reconcile the schism, reassure that love is still the, the foundation of everything, should be, is the first commandment and the guiding principle for the church. And he's trying to reassure those who are left and to call back the splinter group in. He goes on to say some pretty strong things, starting with verse four or verse one of chapter four. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So we're talking about discernment again and specific to this case. Verse two, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And so what he is saying here is that in this particular instance, a spirit that is saying that it is not true that Jesus was raised in the flesh, that spirit is not speaking truth. So that spirit is not from God. That's specific to this case. I think in all of our discernment, we can hearken back to the guiding principle. Does it draw me closer to God or does it push me farther away from God? Where is this heading in other, in other words? And again, as we talked about, you know, that point on our horizon is and with us. So God is both there and here, right? So, but our focal point, the point on which, which we fix our sight should be God. And I think you can apply that principle here too, because the splinter group denying the resurrection was leading people away from a personal experience with God, away from the companionship and the friendship, as the psalmist would say, with Christ, so I'm thankful for this reminder of discernment and I ask for us to have eyes to see and ears to hear and discernment to test the spirits that speak or are attempting to speak into our lives. And I pray also for reconciliation. There are so many schisms within all of our communities and so I pray that we all be reconciled. On that note, I'd like to pray a prayer found on page 824 of the Book of Common Prayer. God, you have bound us together in a common life. Help us, in the midst of our struggles for justice and truth, to confront one another without hatred or bitterness, 
and to work together with mutual forbearance and respect. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. It's probably also a good time to pray one of my personal favorites, the prayer attributed to St. Francis. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Indeed, may we all be instruments of God's peace. May God use us to bring his people together, not to drive them apart. Which brings me to the gospel reading. And this has always been an interesting one for me, that Christ was unable to do miracles in his own hometown, was thrown out by those who knew him. And so along with the theme of eyes to see, which pulled itself out as a theme even before I turned to the collect for the third Sunday, which refers to it as well, and which I used this morning in prayer, um, I had noted that, that it's really easy to see the new thing because it's new. (laughs) It stands out. But sometimes there is a revelation that comes in a familiar package. So may the eyes of the Holy Spirit help us to see even the familiar that is a gift in the moment, in this moment. The next item of interest here is um, when Jesus says in verse 23, He said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. We really think about that all the time, don't we? We want our fitness instructors to look the part, to be trim and muscular and whatever it is that our goal is. For ourselves is we look for those who instruct us to embody the vision of that goal so if our goal in our worship is to become sinless and I know that's a trigger so just bear with me then we look to our priest or pastor whatever language you use to be the embodiment of that vision. And I think it is hardest for us when our guides come in the most familiar package of all, something that resembles us. Let us see what we need to see even 
in the humanness of those around us. Jesus deigned to come and become human. Let us not hold humanity against our guides. Amen? Amen. Then the next thing that's interesting to me is that Jesus talks about how historically... Let me just read the way my commentary puts it. Traditions about the prophets illustrate that foreigners sometimes received God's aid when Israel did not. Hostility comes in response to Jesus' reference to Gentiles, not to his messianic claims. That's very interesting to me that everybody in the synagogue was, as it says in verse 28, filled with rage. And they got up, verse 29, drove him out of the town and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. And according at least to the commentator, I think it's something interesting to consider. This was in response to his references to Gentiles, to Gentiles receiving the blessing instead of, not instead of, but when the Israelites did not. Isn't that like the extreme form of jealousy? You are not giving me what you want, what I want you to give me. I see you as having given it to somebody else. And ergo, I just want to hurl you off a cliff. Oh my goodness. Give us eyes to see what we are being given. Let us not miss it because we're so focused on what someone else is or has been given in our human sight. Amen. Because then the next verse, Jesus passed through the midst of them and went on his way. He left. Let us not drive out those who had, would, would have so, many, so much to bless us with. Let us not drive out um, God. Because God is not giving us what we want in the moment. Or heaven forbid, God makes reference to somebody else as being worthy. Lord, cure us of our jealousy. Give us hearts to love one another. Give us eyes to see the blessings that you have given us and that you have for us. Let us not let familiar human packaging keep us from seeing. Amen. In the holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, I think that that is um, quite enough um, for today (laughs) of my thoughts. That is, I have an additional special prayer for healing for a child that is dear to my heart. And so let us us also um, say together that prayer. It's found on page... Replace the name with whoever it is that is upon your heart to pray for. Um, This is from Ministry with the Sick or Dying, um, Enriching Our Worship, Volume 2, page 64. Heavenly Father, watch with us over your child. And hear our yearning that they may be restored to health. Through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. Let's say together.
the general thanksgiving on page 101 of the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And, we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time, with one accord, to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth, and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitely more than we can ask or imagine. Glory to him from generation to generation in the church and in Christ Jesus forever and ever. Amen. We live without fear, for our Creator has made us holy, has always protected us, and loves us as a good mother loves her children. We go now in peace to follow the good road, and may God's blessing be with us always. Amen.